Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly and co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Uh, today's topic, uh, we actually have two panelists, and we're, we're talking about something that is really important. Uh, we're going to discuss the impact of domestic and intimate partner violence on veterans, families, and communities. Um, I'm going to uh, have uh, Diana Dennis, who is a U.S. Army veteran and a national advocate and activist on women veterans' issues. Um, we also have another panelist named uh, Tamika Jackson. She's a U.S. Army veteran and CEO of Reinvent You. So this is really uh, going to be a quite uh, a, a significant conversation. And um, I know, um, Diana, that uh, service women, you know, f- uh, for service women who serve uh, delves into difficult issues of domestic violence and intimate partner violence today. Um, its impact on both active duty personnel and veterans and the toll it takes on family and the community. Um, so why don't you uh, give us a lead in and uh, tell us a little bit more about why it's so important to focus on it, especially now. Yes. Uh, good afternoon. Great to be yeah. with you, you all today. Yeah. Um, domestic violence and intimate partner violence impact all the way across the military services the first time I got really involved in these issues was when I was on active duty. Um, there was, a, and, and I was in Germany, a lot of folks were coming back from Vietnam, and there was, a, because PTSD was raging, and we never had identified it back then, we, we still weren't sure what it was. It really wasn't put into the DSM-3 until uh, many years later. And so we're we're dealing with groups of people who were coming back from war, not in great shape, and you know, then being redeployed into Europe um, for those who who were not uh, draft uh, members of the draft that went into Vietnam. These were a lot of soldiers that had done a tour and maybe two, and then ended up getting deployed into Europe and. They'd get assigned there, and their families were not in great shape. There, were, there was no mental health. And if you even thought about going in for mental health treatment back in those days, um, you would lose your security clearance and be sent back to the States, which was an absolute career ender. So a, a bunch of people who were civilians and military and uh, spouses of military and um Air Force and Army and enlisted and officers, we got together. We created an organization called the International Association of Professional Women, and we went to Fifth Corps in uh, Frankfurt, Germany, and we said, we have a huge problem across across the continent, and we need to start addressing it here. And they allowed us, and we started training people. The, the, The women leading this were just amazing, and None of us got court-martialed. None of us got thrown out. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing thing that that happened. Mm-hmm. And they listened to us, and they started putting in family crisis centers. And you were in the service, I believe, during much of the same period. Mm-hmm. And at that time, there wasn't a such thing as military one source. Um, 
what happened with the family crisis centers in Germany is then they expanded across uh, the European community. And then they came to the States, and they went to Japan. They went across the whole uh, world of the military communities. And what we now know as Military One Source was derived from that. And it's a very, very important realm. Um, when people get out of the service, and if they are still in a domestic violence situation and haven't dealt with it, now they're in the private sector dealing with it. And we have organizations like RAIN, and we have organizations that get out there and they help people get safe. One of them, um, which Damika provided with me before we came on the air today, is 1-800-799-SAFE. 7233, and we'll revisit that. Um, and now we've got, you know, a lot of veterans dealing with the same thing, and they're going to the VA for assistance. In addition to that, um, we have a, a wider array of people who are public with their sexuality today that was very mm-hmm. hidden for a long time. So mm-hmm. the LGBTQ community is also needing assistance. So Now we're in the middle of COVID. What does that mean? It means this has rained down on the entire community with domestic violence, with people stressed, with people suffering from depression. And without the services we've had in the past and a lot of organizations having to shutter. So I'm going to bring Damika in at this point. She is trained in psychology. Um, Her nonprofit trains and assists and promotes, advises veterans and nonprofits with their strategic planning, with organizational development. But she is also a clinical program coordinator, and she was a DOD mobile training consultant to sexual assault prevention teams. And then she also serves on the Military Women's Coalition on the Sexual Violence Policy Committee. And she's out of Jacksonville, Florida. She serves on a number of boards, including the Mayor's Commission on the Status of Women, the Mission Continues, and Jacksonville's Hispanic American Advisory Board. And I give you that information because it's important to listen to people who have a national voice and who are out there working directly in communities that have massive military and veteran communities. And Damika represents all of that. Damika, it's nice to have you on today. Thank you for having me on. I truly appreciate the opportunity. And we'd really like you to get in immediately and start talking about the one. Please define for the audience when we're talking about domestic violence and uh, intimate partner violence because they're different. And we'd like you yes, to kind of explore the um, the definitions of that, and then talk about what the issues are in the community with COVID. Yes, thank you. Well, domestic violence is a pattern of abusive behavior in any relationship. It's about the partner trying to gain, maintain, trying to keep that control over another another intimate partner. And what people don't realize, that can be physical, sexual, emotional, economic, um, psychological. That can even be stalking, cyber, cyber stalking. Those are different types of domestic violence. It can encompass all of those areas. Intimate partner violence, however, is physical, sexual, stalking, or psychological harm by a current or former partner or spouse. And sometimes people um, don't know how to find the distinction between the two, but there is a difference. It's interesting now, even though Right now, with COVID going on and people being isolated, spending more time together with their families and spouses and just in the home, 
some of the things that I've been reading are stating that the rates have not increased. However, we have learned that that is not indicative of what is really going on within the homes. People are afraid to come forward and report. They're afraid because of either financial reasons, though maybe that person is the breadwinner in the home. Maybe that individual has a certain status in the military or even in their job, and they're afraid to come forward. Or maybe there's a reason because of children. But the numbers do not show or justify what is actually going on right now within the communities. I have had multiple individuals come to me and try to find ways out, because, and they're scared. One, because they don't have family, they don't have the local resources that they are aware of, or because with COVID, so many places have shut down and they're limited with resources. So they're kind of stuck. So the numbers are truly not justifying what is really going on within the communities and within the homes. So what we are trying to do is to help individuals find ways through the current resources that are available in the communities. And we want to raise awareness that people are not alone, that you do not have to be mistreated physically, emotionally. You don't have to go through psychological abuse. And there's so many factors. Not only does it weigh on that that other spouse or that partner, but it also has an effect on the children because children are seeing what's going on in the home, which in turn has a devastating effect when they're in school, it just trickles down and has a downward spiral. Yes. What do you see happening with um, the LGBTQ community? We, we often uh, don't have yeah. people coming forward because they're afraid of, of bringing their sexuality out into the public. Yes, and we are seeing a lot of that because there's, there are limited resources in the community. And depending on what their status is and their current job or, or their rank, yes, they're, they're fearful of what may transpire, what may happen, because then they have to be transparent about their sexuality. Then they have to allow people to know what's going on within their home. So they're afraid to come forward. And they're the least likely to report because they're so afraid of the stigma and uh, individual biases. So they're afraid to come forward and admit what's going on. And then the limited resources. In some areas, there's only a few LGBTQIA-related um, organizations that deal with their certain population and understand the sensitivity of the situation, especially in the transgender community. They're already being um, harassed and they're already being brutalized. There's so much going on right there. They are afraid to come forward because of additional ridicule. How do you as a psychologist look at the military and people who are uh, being abused in those environments and are being threatened, especially dependents, because they don't, they don't have the same resources? Um, I, I don't know exactly how much you're seeing that down there. I know in some of our communities we have folks that are terrified that if they come forward, then their spouse, whether it's a... a same sex or it's the woman on active duty and the man at home um, or the man in the military and the woman at home and there's children. Is there afraid that in a time where, you know, jobs have cut back, people are working from home, they just don't have, they feel like they're absolutely stuck. And if they do anything that 
their military member will will lose their position or be thrown out of the service, and then they'll have no resources at all. And and that is exactly what we are seeing. And when we, it does come across my individuals, our, our victim advocates, when it does come to us, what we inform that individual is it's better to try to find those resources outside and to think about yourself. If you don't have children, think about yourself and living. The most important thing is to survive, to live. And we understand that there's so many other factors. However, at any inkling, we've seen too many cases where domestic violence has been in the home and the individual did not come forward and they lost their lives. And I always encourage anyone who is dealing with any kind of domestic violence or intimate partner violence is that you have to think about you first. You have to think about living. And I understand that it's difficult, but try to seek out other side outside resources within the community. Contact those national agencies. Find other local resources outside the military if you're not comfortable with going to the command or going inside of our, you know, what we call our family, our bubble, because it's more important to not contact them, to risk your life. You want to be alive the next day for yourself, for your family, for your children, for whomever, but it's better to live another day. What do you tell, what do you tell the, um, the folks when we're, a lot of this, that we're, we're also seeing stuff where people won't come forward who are um, male survivors? of sexual trauma in the military. They don't even want to talk about that. We're having a heck of a time getting them to come forward. And then if they're in a domestic violence situation in a, um, in a gay relationship, they don't even know what to do because they may have been ostracized by their family as well. And they're supposed to be, you know, strong because they were in the military and they're supposed to be able to take care of themselves. And this seems to be a running theme for both men and women, how, how are you finding ways to help um, the men who, who were having such difficulty in reaching? Right, because there is a stigma um, when it comes to men, because when we look at men as being strong and, and being dominant and not being able to be taken advantage of. However, what we have learned is to provide a safe space for them to feel comfortable enough to talk about and discuss what they are going through, what they have been through, and um, helping them to understand that there are no repercussions, that we are here to solely listen and to assist with your needs. Because men, I have seen the numbers increase in domestic violence cases as well as intimate partner cases dealing with men. And we try to encourage and ensure them that this is between them and us, and we are going to only acknowledge if and get those resources that are pertinent to the situation. But the thing is, as you stated, is there's all these different biases or stigmas associated with men um, being raped or being um, beaten by a woman or being even another man. We have to change that pendulum. We have to change the way we look at this and help our male victims as well. Yes, there's one in four women, but there's also one in 10 men that are affected by domestic violence and intimate partner violence. And regardless if it's a man or a woman, there should be resources for both. 
You know, I have a question. You know, with this uh, right now, do you see an uptick in uh, domestic violence? Because it's one of those things that is sort of under the radar because of, you know, COVID-19. And I'm wondering, uh, people are losing their jobs. Uh, you have many more people who are homeless. Uh, are you seeing that spill over into that arena? Yes, it has been increasing. But because, like, as you stated, the stressors have increased. And when stressors increase, coping skills and, and, and understanding how to deal with those major losses sometimes goes out the window. All the things that we've learned on how to deal with those small stressors are different when you have major stressors, especially financial stress or you're spending more time together or the kids are home more often now. They're home all day, every single day, as opposed to before you got a break when they went to school. So, yes, we have been seeing an increase in domestic violence cases. Although the military is reporting, they're currently reporting that the numbers have not increased. However, that is not indicative to what is really occurring because people are afraid to come forward because of the shortages in shelters and limited resources and services. I also, I I noticed that we had, you know, we've seen, we've definitely seen an uptick in Puerto Rico and they are just devastated from all these storms. They haven't caught up from the last four that have happened. And as a result, I don't believe I said that that way, um, but as a result of all of those storms, their resources just for daily survival are stretched to beyond the, the, the thinnest, thinnest margins. Their utilities don't work all the time. They, you know, they have homes that are still have tarps on them from four years ago, and they're just trying to just literally survive. And, you know, I'm not sure what we do. Do you have some ideas about what we can do to help people that, like, are in the island nations? We've got Guam, we've got Puerto Rico, we've got American Samoa, um, you know, we've got the U.S. Virgin Islands. These, we have people scattered all over the place that are isolated by virtue of just being on an island in the middle of the ocean. Yes. And it definitely is going to take all of us coming together and uniting to help with those resources and help to rebuild. Coming up, coming together in unity and unified, finding out what they need, and basically meeting those basic hierarchy of needs. That needs to happen first. Because one thing we cannot control is the weather. However, there are other things that are within our control. And we can help there, help them to rebuild, help them with the resources that they need, work together and not divide it. And that's and that is critically important. Also, um, uh, Dr. Colonel Arnold, there is a um, a situation too where we have a huge number of homeless people. Yeah. We have people that have suffered sexual trauma in the military, and now they 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 can't just go to mom or dad's house. They can't go and crash on a friend's couch because people are saying, don't even step on my property. Right. (laughs) Because they're they're fearful, you know, for good reason. But I'm not sure Mm -hmm. if we're doing right by them. I mean, uh, I know in Chicago this has come up as a big thing with the homeless populations, and I don't know. I don't know if the military community and the veteran community are quite, you know, 
figuring out what the best ways to to help are so that we've got a place of safety for people who are suffering. And, I mean, I don't even know what we do when they get sick. Yes, it's it's a very, very, very difficult issue. And um, right now um, there are uh, some, you know, still some, you know, uh, available resources. I know the VA here is kind of uh, gearing up to take care of a lot of uh, issues surrounding that homelessness issue. And uh, they have been really, they said they're 100% functional to take care of people in that um, uh, regard. And I'm I'm so glad you gave out that, uh, Diana, that number, the 1-800-799-SAFE, and that was 7233, because that number, you know, that could be a lifesaver. If someone is out there and needs that help, uh, by all means, please call that number and know that, you know, any of us uh, men and women who are in the military, um, that we are still part of your family, even if you are homeless uh, and you're going through some tough times now, and you deserve for, to get help. You deserve to be supported uh, through this time period. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.